five minutes after six a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Wednesday. Uh, welcome to a Thursday. <laughs> this is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Rahman Ishma 
J.M. in the A.M. Good morning and welcome to 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM in the Catskills, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, and around the world on the web, jmintheam.org. Welcome to a Thursday, essentially our final full day of our Sphera format, as uh, tomorrow we'll start to drift back into our regular format, since it's the uh, Friday, the Erev Shabbos before Lagba Omer. It's Thursday, May the 15th, the 15th of ER. You heard some AKA Pella, which has really dominated a lot of our acapella material with their brand new album, Top 20 Hits. Dudu Fisher before that with Bishalom, or Bring Him Home, as he does it on that version from Never on Friday. Dvekis had Mina Meitzar off of Volume 6, Inavinkala, Kolbraman, La Kolzman off Volume 2, and of course, Regesh, Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. It's Thursday on day 30 in the counting of the Omer. Today is day number 30 in the counting of the Omer. If you forgot to count last night, make sure to do so sometime today. 61 degrees outside, wet weather, and from the way it looks, it's going to be wet weather for a couple of days. Uh, not really today, but more tomorrow 
and uh, Shabbos. Uh, 99% humidity winds in northeast at 2 miles per hour. Morning drizzle today with a high of 71. Then showers start late tonight with a low 63. Tomorrow rain with a high temperature of uh, 68 degrees. Right now, Yerushalayim is at 86. Tel Aviv, 75. Haifa at 72. And a lot at 91.1. We're at 61 degrees here in Jersey City. As we say good morning at JM and the AM. Another great day for us here as our amazing programming continues all day long on our stream at jmandam.org, following JM and the AM. And uh, today in the 8 o'clock hour, we will welcome the president of Yeshiva University, Richard Joel, into our studio. It's always a big treat for all of us when he visits, and that's happening in hour number three this morning, coming up a little later on right here at JM in the AM. A reminder... Uh, that our social media is in uh, full swing. On Facebook, check out and make sure to like the Jewish Radio World with Nachum Siegel page. Jewish Radio World with Nachum Siegel. And on Twitter at Nachum Siegel Net. And that will get you the uh, updates you need in terms of what we're doing right here. 24 minutes before 7 o'clock. JM and the AM. Avramo, Avram Fried and his family have released the CD a cappella style entitled My Zadis Miros. Here's a sample for you at JM in the AM. Let's go, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Shulay, Malachaya 
collection from the Friedman family, Avremo and Company, with uh, Maizedis Miros, as it's called. You heard Maizedis in there, as you're listening to right now. 
You had Yom Zeh, Menucha Vesimcha, all part of that brand new a cappella presentation. Barry Weber with a single that he calls Chabatz Capella in there as well. And it's a Thursday morning as we wrap up hour number one here at JM in the AM. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial and around the world on the web, jmtheam.org. Amazing programming on our stream all day long following JM in the AM. Charlie Harari this morning at 9 o'clock talking about the trait of resilience the lessons learned from the upcoming holiday of Lag Omer, one of our greatest Jewish leaders, Rabbi Akiva. It is uh, Charlie Harari's topic on Book of Life coming up at 9 o'clock. At 10 o'clock, that's life with Miriam Al-Wallach. Three names she wants you to be familiar with. Tamara Freudenstein, Ori Putterman, and Nikki Fierce. If you haven't heard of them, you will. They're three extraordinary kids doing extraordinary things. You will hear their stories. And also, Dr. Michael Solomon returns to the show to tell Miriam what makes these kids tick and why some kids are leaders while others never engage. All that on the stream, 9 o'clock for Charlie, 10 o'clock for Miriam L. Wallach. Make sure to be tuned in all day long on our stream at jmtheam.org. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Thursday is next. Boker Tov on this day 30 in the count of the Omer from JM in the AM. גליצה על השעה שתיים, כאן שיבל קרמי מנסור עם מה שקורה עכשיו. גזר דינה של שול הזקן במשפט הולילנד, אך עד עשר חודשי מאסר בלבד, בהתאם להסדר הטיעון. מבית המשפט המחוזי בתל אביב, כתבתנו שרון פולבר. השופט דוד רוזן אמר שלמרות שלדעתו זקן ראויה לעונש כבד של לפחות חמש שנות מאסר נוכח הלכות בית המשפט העליון ולא בלב קל, הוא מוכן לאשר את ההסדר לפיו בנוסף ל-11 חודשי המאסר היא תידרש לשלם קנס של 25 אלף שקלים וחילוץ של 75 אלף שקלים. את המאסר של הזקן תחל לרצות ב-1 בספטמבר, אלא אם הצדדים יסכימו אחרת. מוקדם יותר אמרה ראש לשכתו לשעבר של אוד אולמרט בבית המשפט, אולמרט השתמש בי, התבקשתי לקחת את הכל על עצמי, כששתקתי וכששיקרתי, זה היה לבקשתו, דברי זקן. פרסום ראשון, ועדת הכספים של הכנסת תתבקש להעביר בשבוע הבא עשרות מיליוני שקלים לחטיבה להתיישבות. כתבנו יותם ברגר. ועדת הכספים של הכנסת תתבקש לאשר העברה תקציבית של כמאה מיליון שקלים לחטיבה, שבין השאר מיישבת את יהודה ושומרון. זאת חרף העובדה שגורמים בקואליציה ובאופוזיציה דורשים ליצור שקיפות בתקציב, דרישה שטרם התקבלה. בעבר הודיעו בין השאר ביש עתיד שלא יאפשרו עוד הזרמת תקציבים לחטיבה עד שתוכל עליה שקיפות. באופוזיציה מתרעמים וחברת הכנסת זהבה גלאון מסרה כי השיטה של העברת כספים לחטיבה היא שיטה מפוקפקת וכי היא מקווה שיצליחו להפוך את החטיבה לשקופה כבר בשבוע הבא. פריצת דרך במשא ומתן לסיום המשבר בהדסה. כתבתנו רויטל איוב. בתום פגישה בין האחיות ועובדי המשק והמנהלה לבין הנהלת הדסה, הוסר האיום להעביר את בתי החולים למתכונת חירום. בין היתר נקבע שבית החולים יחזיר לעובדים את הסכומים שהם ילוו לו בתוך שלוש שנים. לפנות בוקר הגיעו גם הרופאים להבנות עם ההנהלה. גם הם טרם התגבשו לכדי הסכם. בשבוע הבא אמור בית המשפט לאשר את תוכנית ההבראה. 
רצח יפתח גריידי במועדון ברעננה, הוגשו כתבי אישום נגד המעורבים. כתבתנו תמר ירושלמי. על פי כתב האישום שהוגש הבוקר לבית המשפט המחוזי מרכז, בן גניש, בן ה-23, לקח ממטבח המועדון בו התרחש האירוע סכין ומזלג גריל ורצח את יפתח גריידי. הוא עשה זאת לאחר שידידתו של גריידי דחתה ניסיונות חיזור מצד חברו. מני דאבו, שדקר גם הוא את המנוח, מואשם בעבירת הריגה. שני צעירים נוספים מהחבורה של גניש ודאבוש מואשמים בעבירה של אי-מניעת פשע. מצרים בדרך לקלפיות והמועמדים לנשיאות עושים שימוש בנושאים הקשורים לישראל כדי לגרוף קולות. כתבנו ג'קי חוגי. אחד משני המתמודדים, חמדן סבחי, קורא לשינויים בהסכם השלום עם ישראל. בריאיון לערוץ הטלוויזיה סקאי ניוז בערבית אמר סבחי כי השינוי נחוץ כדי לאפשר לצבא מצרים לנוע בחופשיות רבה יותר בסיני במאבק נגד טרוריסטים. חשוב לציין כי תיאום מהסוג הזה כבר קיים בין שתי המדינות וכוחות מצרים פועלים בסיני בחריגה מהסכם השלום. הבחירות התקיימו בעוד עשרה ימים אבל היום כבר נפתחו הקלפיות למצביעים מצריים ברחבי העולם. מזג האוויר חם מעט מהרגיל לעונה, בעיקר בהרים ובפנים הארץ, מחר ללא שינוי ניכר ובשבת ירידה בטמפרטורות. ולסיום, ניקול קידמן מנסה לפייס את מונקו אחרי התגובות הצוננות שהגיעו מהארמון שם לסרט על חיי הנסיכה גרייס קלי, שקידמן מגלמת את אימה. הנסיכה סטפני, בתה של גרייס קלי במציאות, אמרה שהסרט שפתח את פסטיבל כאן אינו מכבד. with love, and that ultimately if they ever did see it, I think they would see that there was an enormous amount of affection. אני רוצה שהם ידעו שהסרט נעשה באהבה, מתגוננת קידמן בתגובה. אם יום אחד הם יצפו בו, הם יגלו שהוא מכיל הרבה כבוד וחיבה למשפחתם. אלה החדשות שעורך עידו דוד כהן.
When that song first came out, it's got to be, oh boy, close to 30 years ago. Conversation in the Womb from Journeys here at JM and the AM. Yushalayim from Journeys 3, Mina Meitzar, Menachem Moskowitz with a song that did really well in our top nine at nine a cappella style this week. Thursday morning, it's JM and the AM on day 30 in the counting of the Omer. Thanks for joining us. My name is Nachum Siegel. Thursday, and uh, we have a special guest coming up in the 8 o'clock hour. President of Yeshiva University is going to be joining us, Richard Joel. Whenever he stops by, it's always a big treat, and he'll be with us uh, this morning in studio here at JM and the AM. That's coming up 
in the uh, 8 o'clock hour. Um, a uh, full day of amazing programming on our stream all day long. I told you just a few minutes ago about the uh, Charlie Harari Book of Life program, which will focus on resilience and Lagba Omer and the relationship between the two. I told you that on That's Life with Miriam L. Wallach at 10 o'clock this morning, there'll be three amazing youngsters that she's going to be speaking with, plus Dr. Michael Solomon will return to the show to explain what makes these kids tick and why some kids are leaders while others do not engage. Um, Mayor Fertig is doing the stunt show today, and that happens at 1 o'clock right after the live lunch. And I want to thank Avrami, who's going to be sitting in today for the live lunch, our final a cappella one of the season. And uh, Mayor Fertig at 1 p.m. Eastern time today on the stunt show uh, declares as follows. Next year is Jonathan Pollard's 30th behind bars. Many think that means he'll be paroled, but is he really certain to be freed? So they will. Uh, Mayor Fertig and his guests will look into that issue. Also, Rabbi Eliyahu Fink, who moderated a get-together on Sunday between two very different groups of Jews, he'll be Mayor's guest. And uh, the man behind a lot of the a cappella music that we've been listening to the last few weeks. Mike Boxer joins Mayer as well. It's all happening between 1 and 2 Eastern time on our stream at jmintheam.org. Um, make sure to tune in and enjoy. We have amazing programming all day long. Tonight, Michael Fragan is going to be uh, presenting Spin Class, which every week just gets better and better. And tonight at 6 p.m. on our stream, he'll discuss Jewish politics and the President's Conference J Street Controversy. Editor of JTA, JTA, Ami Eden, and Farley Weiss from Young Israel, and hopefully someone from J Street, if they respond to Michael's invitation, will be part of that discussion between 6 and 7 tonight. Very interesting. So our stream has incredible stuff to offer all through the day. Make sure you're tuned in at JM in the AM. Dot org. 61 degrees, morning drizzle with a high of 71. couple of days of rain, not today really, but tomorrow on Shabbos. Looks like we'll have a bunch of rain in this area. Hopefully Log Bomer will improve weather-wise, and folks will be able to get out and enjoy Log Bomer Day. And good luck to the teams who are in the Young Israel Basketball League Championship this Sunday. I actually have a rooting interest in the game, and I hope everyone does well. Obviously, I'm hoping for a specific type of outcome. Uh, but a, a very, very, um, I'm sure it'll be a very, very good and tight game this coming Sunday coming up, the Young Israel League Championship game. We are certainly looking forward to it. Should be, uh, should be lots of fun. 25 minutes after 7 o'clock, it's JM in the AM with AKA Pella.
Hashem Dima Dima 
a.m. in the a.m., a.k.a. Pella. 7.30 in the morning on a Thursday by Goldwasser. In just a moment, want to remind everybody that today at 11 a.m. at the Young Israel Bethel, 4802 15th Avenue in Brooklyn, uh, New York State Assemblyman Dove Hikind. Uh, New York State Assemblyman Dove Hikind and Nachas Health will be hosting a day of remembrance for Holocaust survivors and their descendants this coming Thursday, today at 11 a.m. at the Young Israel Bethel in Borough Park, 4802 15th Avenue. The featured guest speaker is former Israeli Chief Rabbi Yisrael Mayor Lau. And the tributes will be paid to diplomats who saved thousands of Jews during the war, as well as to Oscar, excuse me, as well as to Oscar Schindler. Mordechai Ben David will be present. And uh, you are invited. It's this morning at 11 a.m., the Day of Remembrance, uh, at the Young Israel Bethel in Borough Park, 4802 15th Avenue in Brooklyn. Join Dove Hikind and Nachas Health as they present the program, and you get to, uh, you get to see special guests, including the Consul General of Japan, the Consul General of the Netherlands, survivors of the Shanghai Ghetto, and on behalf of the survivors of Schindler's List, Mordechai Ben David will appear. The guest speaker is former Chief Rabbi of Israel, Rabbi Yisrael Mayer Lau. So this is quite an event happening this morning at 11 a.m. at the Young Israel Bethel, 15th Avenue in Brooklyn, New York. Everyone should go and be inspired. Uh, that is a unique gathering, to say the least. Want to give a special shout-out to our friends at Mayanot Yeshiva High School. There's a beautiful Mayanot performance for women coming up on Tuesday, May 20th, called Heartbeats, a night of song, dance, art, and connection. Um, it is a student-directed performance. The evening will feature student-created song and dance routines and a student art exhibit as well. It's 7 p.m. this coming Tuesday at Beth Shalom on Maitland Avenue in Teaneck, New Jersey. Proceeds from the evening will be donated to Chabad's Children of Chernobyl. To get your tickets, uh, you dial 201-833-4307, 201-833-4307. So a big shout-out to the students of Mayanod who are putting on another great annual production. It's called Heartbeats, a night of song, dance, art, and connection for this coming Tuesday at Beth Shalom in Teaneck. Again, the phone number, 201-833-4307. A drop-behind schedule, Rabbi David Goldwasser is with us. His words, Zechonishmas, Rav Zebner, Yosef Alevi. Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. Good morning. The 18th day of Eir marks Lag Ba'omer, the 33rd day of the Omer. The day is observed as a day of rejoicing, as it commemorates the day when the Magefa, the plague among the 24,000 students of Rabbi Akiva, ceased. It also corresponds to the date of the passing of the great Sadiq Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai was one of the greatest Tanoim of the Mishnah. In Eretz Yisrael, in Miron, tens of thousands of people gathered together at the kever of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai and his son, Rebbe Lozer. It's fascinating to note that the Gemara in Mesech the Shabbos, which tells us about Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochoi, is found on the 33rd daf, corresponding to the day of his Yartzeit, which is the 33rd day of the Omer. The Talmud in Brochus relates that when Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochoi emerged from the cave where he had spent the last 12 years together with his son Rabbi Lazar, they saw people occupied with plowing and with planting their fields. For those 12 years, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochoi and his son had been totally insulated from the outside world. They were immersed in Torah, in Avodah Hashem. 
they had achieved an unimaginably high and exalted spiritual level. When they rejoined the world as we know it, they found it strange and had to make certain adjustments. Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai observed, You are abandoning the life of the eternal world and you are engaged in the work of the temporal world. The standard that Rabbi Shimon used to judge his own private world could not be used to judge the world at large. It is elaborated on later in the Talmud of Masech de Brachos that Rabbi Shimon's remark meant that if the people were occupied with their everyday activities of plowing and planting, when would they have time for Torah? Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochoi recognized that Torah is the mainstay of life. It is our primary focus in this world. The Gemara therefore expounds that when Bnei Yisrael learns L'Shem Shemayim and does the will of Hashem, then their work is done by others. Like it says in Yeshayo Novi, Foreigners will stand and tend your flocks. The sons of the stranger will be your plowmen and your vineyard workers. However, when Bnei Yisrael do not do the will of Hashem, then the Pasuk tells us, you will gather in your own grain. The great Sadiq Reb Shalom of Bells was once learning together with his study partner, his Chavrusa. The Chavrusa needed to refill his pipe with tobacco. In the time that it took his friend to clean the pipe, to refill it, to light it, Reb Shalom of Bells learned an entire daf gemara. He then said, if smoking is going to cause me to be mevatol ablat gemara, I'm going to quit smoking. From that day on, he never smoked again. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser, bringing you morning physic. Have a nice day.
that song to Film Guy, who reminded me how appropriate a song that would be on the final day of the Sphere of Format as we get closer and closer to Lagba Omer. That's Leif Tahor here at JM in the AM. Thursday morning on day 30 in the counting of the Omer. If you forgot to count last night, make sure to do so sometime today. Thanks for joining us. The president of Yeshiva University, Richard Joel, in the 8 o'clock hour. He'll be visiting us this morning at JM in the AM. Very much looking forward to that. And we also hope to get a report from Jerusalem about the Bonate Sion ceremony that took place courtesy of Nefesh Benefesh in the Knesset today. All the Bonate Sion awardees, and uh, most of you, I hope, remember uh, we spoke about it here on the air. Uh, and Miriam L. Wallach spoke last Thursday with her by Fass about it on her show. Uh, those Bonate Sion awardees, for the first time ever, um, uh, the Bonate Sion Awards were given for the first time ever. And this uh, Thursday, today, in the Knesset, that whole ceremony took place in Israel. So we look forward to a report about that before we leave the air this morning. We're trying to get Lenny Solomon for tomorrow. His uh, 50th state will be uh, done on Sunday. He plays Lagba Omer in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and that will be state number 50 on this unbelievable tour that he's taken. He's covered, I think, uh, 46 through 50 on this tour, we'll hopefully speak to them before Shabbos right here at JM and the AM. And I remind you, all through the weekend, amazing programming on our stream, 
including a Saturday Night Seagull Log Boomer edition happening with Avrami Saturday night at 10 o'clock. And Matis on JM Sunday will not only commemorate Log Boomer, he'll also have Ellie Gerstner on, who's going to be speaking about his um, uh, brand new music selections and the very, very busy parading Lagba Omer that he has. Uh, Ellie Gerstner will join Matis on JM Sunday. That show is between 7 and 9 a.m. Eastern Time on our stream Sunday morning at jmandtheam.org. Make sure to be tuned in. Again, a reminder, Assemblyman Dove Heikind and Nachas Health have a day of remembrance for Holocaust survivors and their descendants happening this morning at 11 a.m. at the Young Israel Beth Ellen Borough Park, 4802 15th Avenue. Guest speaker, former Israeli Chief Rabbi Rabbi Yisrael Mayer Lau, the Consul General of Japan, the Consul General of the Netherlands, survivors of the Shanghai Ghetto. They're all going to be there uh, today at Bethel. It's happening uh, 11 a.m., 4802 15th Avenue in Brooklyn. Uh, you get a chance to meet these unbelievable people, including Rabbi Yisrael Mayer Lau, which is always an incredible uh, encounter when you get to meet someone of his stature and historic background. Uh, that happens at 11 o'clock this morning at Bethel in Borough Park. Yesterday I told you about the um, about the uh, campaign that's going on for Coats for Cold Kids. This is a a project of the Libra Gabriella Fund under the leadership of Dr. Sam Lupin, and I thank Dr. Lupin who's been in touch with me overnight via email. And they started a program last year called Coats for Cold Kids. It raises funds for underprivileged children living below the poverty line in Israel, and they were able over the last year to distribute 500 coats to children between the ages of 5 and 15 in the Holy Land. Now, Coats for Cold Kids wants to increase that number by tenfold and raise $100,000 in advance of what kids will need during this upcoming fall and winter. So what they're doing is they're having a Shavuos Learnathon, a Shavuos Learnathon, and anybody, anybody around the world could join the, join the Learnathon, uh, which has been um, uh, predominantly at this point joined by Yeshiva and Midrashah students under the leadership of the YU Center in Yerushalayim. They've taken amazing interest in this project so far. But anybody can join, anybody can get sponsored, and anybody can make their Shavuos night a, uh, an even more valuable and priceless Yom Tov experience. All you got to do is go to wizathon.com, wizathon.com slash coats for cold kids, wizathon.com slash coats for cold kids, the four, is the number four. So it's wizathon.com, coats, number four, cold kids. And you could join the Shavuos Learnathon, get sponsors, make a real difference in the live, in the lives of uh, kids in Israel who simply don't have coats for the winter. And a big, big uh, shout out to the Lupin family for undertaking this project and for so far having amazing success. And we're hoping that we'll help them get to an even more successful level. Five minutes before eight o'clock, president of Yeshiva University, Richard Joel is going to be joining us in the 8 o'clock hour. Don't forget, we have amazing programming all day long on our stream at jmnam.org. Charlie Harari at 9 o'clock with a great show about resilience centered on the theme of Lagba Omer. And at 10 o'clock, Miriam L. Wallach will introduce three incredible young people to her audience who are involved in wonderful work on behalf of the community. And that's happening between 10 and 11 this morning on our stream at jmnam.org.
J.M. in the A.M. That's uh, brand new from the Friedman family. Avram Friedman family have put together a CD entitled My Zadis Miros. It's an a cappella CD with amazing Shabbos selections. And that's how we close out the second hour this morning right here at J.M. in the A.M. The president of Yeshiva University, uh, Richard Joel, is scheduled for uh, the 8 o'clock hour. Should be here with us in a few minutes. There is a... Uh, a bit of a traffic delay out there, but hopefully he'll be walking into our studio in the next few minutes here at JM and the AM, and we uh, look forward to speaking with him uh, at that time. It's day 30 in the counting of the Omer. I thank all of you for tuning in. Don't forget, we have amazing programming all day long, including Mayor Fertig, who um, is going to be doing what we call the stunt show today. And Mayor Fertig, uh, between 1 and 2 p.m. Eastern time, on our stream at jmandtheam.org is going to be exploring a few things. Number one, Jonathan Pollard's 30th year behind bars is coming up, and many think that means he'll be paroled. Is he certain to be freed? Secondly, Rabbi Aliyahu Fink, who moderated a get-together this past Sunday between two very different groups of Jews, he'll be a guest of Mayor Fertig. And meet the man behind a lot of the a cappella music that you've been listening to the last few weeks. Mike Boxer joins Mayor Fertig as well. All that in one hour between 1 and 2 p.m., during one hour, I should say, between 1 and 2 p.m. Eastern Time in our stream, right after the live lunch, which Avrami is going to be hosting today, and I thank him. Two minutes after 8 o'clock, and this is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, and around the world on the web, jmtheam.org. <laughs>
J.M. in the A.M. The Maccabees, of course. That's Habait on a J.M. in the A.M. Thursday morning. Uh, well, one of our greatest treats is when the president of Yeshiva University, Richard Joel, joins us live in the studio. And uh, today the uh, the situation is that because of the uh, insane traffic and really the standstill situation that he's in right now <laughs> in one of the landmarks between New York and New Jersey, uh, we're going to have to conduct this conversation by phone, and uh, he'll owe us a visit because we love when he comes here and speaks with us uh, in depth about what's happening at Yeshiva University. Mr. President, welcome back to JM in the AM. Good morning, Nahum. Actually, the traffic just started moving, <laughs> but uh, I've, I've been accused of having tunnel vision, but this is a little uh, <laughs> uh, more than I had in mind. Well, with my commute of the last 30 years, people joke that the Holland Tunnel is my summer home, so enjoy it while you're visiting. <laughs> yeah, but don't you have the Nahum helicopter? I, w- I wish I did, frankly. There are many mornings I wish I did. So tell us. How is the Yeshiva University fencing team doing? The fencing team? The fencing team is doing fine. Actually, all of our teams are doing fine. But I'm surprised you're asking me about the fencing team and not the tennis team. Well, this is a... uh, The the reason we start with fencing is the international news that was made when... uh, Wait, was it the fencing team? Which team was it that that got the... uh, the tennis team, right? You just mentioned it. I'm sorry. I, I'm getting my sports all confused. It was the tennis team. Tennis that... has a racket, and fencing is like an AP, <laughs> a, 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 a foil. Yes, I know the difference. I think I even know why I said fencing. But anyway, it's the tennis team that was given a historic dispensation, and a match was actually moved to accommodate the Shabbos. Yes, I think you sound more surprised than you should. I think by this time in the United States, um, one of the things we should be proud of is that there really is a sensitivity towards religious accommodation. But this was the first time this issue came to the NCAA. What, the, what happened, for those who don't know, is that, uh, that our tennis team won its Division III uh, Skyline Conference Championship. And for the first time in history, Yeshiva University varsity team of any sport was invited to the NCA national tournament. We had been in touch with them about the uh, sensitivity to Shabbat, and uh, their answer of pretty forthrightly was that they have made accommodations for schools whose players did not want to play on Sunday, and therefore they have to do the same, and they're happy to do the same for us. Unbelievable. So, so th- look, the real headline to me is that we have scholar-athletes who are pursuing an incredibly full Torah and secular education who have a great commitment to practice multiple days a week and are successful enough to be able to win a championship and go on to the NCAA. It is, pretty- and I think it's a great thing. Yeah, it's just incredible, and there and there's so much. I mean, the we know how seriously sports is taken in this country. So when you can go ahead and make a statement like the one that you just uh, went ahead and described. 
um, to this country about the importance of Shabbos or the importance of tradition, our heritage, etc. And you could do it in the sports venue. It's it's just it carries a tremendous amount of weight. And as you indicated, and and as I mistakenly indicated, there are other sports as well uh, that Yeshiva University is represented in. Uh, and I, by the way, folks, I want to reference uh, a conversation I had with the athletic director of Yeshiva University, uh, Joe Bednarge, back on the 1st of May. If you search my website, you'll find it. We discussed just how important it is, this uh, representing both Yeshiva University and the Jewish people on the sports field. Uh, well, with that in mind, Mr. President, there has been a change in the uh, uh, basketball uh, coaching ranks at Yeshiva University. You know that we, and I believe you yourself as well, are big Johnny Halpert fans, but uh, Johnny has coached his last game as of this past season and he is uh, moving on and you have chosen or at least a committee was established to choose a new coach and that's Elliot Steinmetz what are your feelings about this transition well it's it's uh, you know one of the one of the interesting aspects of being a president is to uh, uh, is to is to have the loyalty of uh, of wonderful professionals but also to keep the vitality of uh, of 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 newness while we celebrate uh, Long tenure. So uh, after uh, 42 years, uh, uh, Johnny Halpert is, uh, uh, has has moved on. Please God, will always be a, uh, an important part, not just of yeshiva history, but hopefully of uh, uh, of of of, uh, of yeshiva um, by his presence and by his healthy presence there. And uh, uh, we have gone through a, a process where, in fact, we had a wonderful search committee. Um, uh, uh, chaired by uh, by Shopsy Schreier, who many of you know, um, but including uh, uh, professionals, including students, including student athletes, uh, we had, believe it or not, I mean, this is a part-time job. We had over 200 um, applicants for this position, and I was not involved except at the end. And after a whole whittling down process that we did expeditiously, with great time invested by our lay leadership. We came down to three finalists, and uh, uh, I met the three, but I, I didn't make the selection. I just wanted to make sure that we were in the ballpark, and uh, they chose Elliot Steinmetz, who, of course, is a name not unknown in uh, in New York, particularly high school basketball circles. Elliot was, uh, was a letterman, was part of the Maccabees uh, in his time at Yeshiva for three years. Right. Uh, he's gone on to coach both the Hebrew Academy of Nassau County uh, varsity and currently the North Shore Hebrew Academy varsity. Uh, he was the coach of the Maccabi uh, National under 18 uh, team that competed in Israel. Um, and uh, and he's a mensch of the first order and a bentor of the first order. And uh, this was, as you all know, all of you who are so invested in basketball, this is something of a passion. There's no question about that. And it, it's funny. When you think about all the issues that, that you have to deal with and the issues in the Jewish world in general, you know, this is how we open the conversation talking about sports. But, but you can speak to the point of just how vital this whole sports scene is and, and how important, and even if there's not five, six hundred fans in the stands every game like I wish there were, just how important a, uh, a venue the sports, um, uh, the, the sports games are um, when it comes to Yeshiva University's reputation out there and uh, the Jewish tradition's reputation, it's really an important matter. Look, it's also important pedagogically. It's very important. Um, this is the place where students can understand that everybody has to make choices in life, but a full 
um, a participating life is so much not inconsistent with a commitment to Torah and mitzvahs. And in fact, it's another opportunity to be Kadesh Hashem, to, to, to honor God's name and everything. And yeshiva is the one place you go where there's not even a question as to whether you're going to have to make compromises. Um, and, uh, and I think it's a wonderful thing. And, and by the and way, look, the, tr- the truth of the matter is no one is coming to yeshiva for the sole purpose of being a star athlete. <laughs> um, but by the same token, don't laugh so much. I mean, for somebody who's uh, six foot, 14 inches tall, shouldn't make jokes. Um, it's really a wonderful opportunity for a student not to have to sacrifice their, uh, uh, you know, their sports needs. Um, in order to be uh, involved in, in a vibrant university and Torah life. YU President Richard Joel is with us, and um, we could really extend uh, what you just said to every other arena that you're in charge of, because we, you know, the sports stories get the high-profile articles, and a lot of people talk about them, and it makes national news. But there are so many areas of life, law, medicine, and a million others that I can mention that you see on a daily basis, where, again, Compromise does not have to be instituted where accommodations are made, uh, where people who are from our community can feel comfortable in different types of environment, even if nobody else from the community is with them at the time. It's really an extension to every area of life, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Look, it's, it's part, you know, we talk about the concept in Hebrew of shlemut, which means wholeness or integrity. Um, I don't think there's a philosophy in Judaism that in any better way um, incorporates the notion of a life based on Torah and Torah values uh, with a mandate to use those values to embrace God's other wisdoms and to say that one of our roles is to be a light unto the nations by mattering in the world. Right. And I think the experience at Yeshiva uh, does that. In fact, I had a meeting yesterday with a fairly tall, wonderful young man whose last name is Siegel, who I think is related to you by birth, um, <laughs> who came in with a group of students because they had managed to get a uh, uh, an agreement from uh, the, the TED organization, which does these TED Talks. Right. And they got Yeshiva designated as a TEDx site, so they're running a whole TED conference uh, in the fall um, where there will be uh, different speakers giving their 15-minute the brilliant talks uh, that will be online as part of the world of TED. Right. Well, as I've told you many times, if not for the variety of what's offered at YU, and if not for the... Uh uh, different types of things. I wouldn't be sitting here right now. President Richard Joel is with us live via telephone. A week from today, we would not be able to speak because you'll be in final preparations for the big graduation ceremony, which I believe this year is taking place at the Meadowlands, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, at the Izod Center. At the Izod Center. And you know, every season, I know in radio we always do this. In fact, I said this to my staff uh, just the other day. I, I think there's I think every season or every period of time has a certain definition or it ends up, you know, being, having a different theme. And, uh, and there's no doubt, especially when the economy had its problems a few years back. So the theme, unfortunately, coming from the campus, at least out there in the media, were the difficulties that you were facing financially up at YU and then the big lawsuit, which as far as I know is now over with. If uh, there's anything you want to say about it, you could tell us, but I think that that is now in the past as far as I know. How would we define, as you go to graduation next week, this past season, this past year at Yeshiva University? Oh, um, I think uh, I, I think it's a year... I think it's a year of opportunity and challenge. I think that uh, uh, education is a is a is a critical business, but in today's economy, it's a more and more challenging business. The 
the, the traditional model of higher education is not a valid business model. It's not a sustainable business model. And certainly not so when you have a rich environment like Yeshiva, where we do want to give all to the students. Uh, a, a wonderful life environment, quality Torah, um, uh, high-quality academics, career preparation. It doesn't work, and especially with a, with a high level of scholarship support that we provide um, to, uh, uh, to, to students who are in need. Um, it just doesn't work. So I think what we were confronted with this year, and we're not the only university so confronted. In fact, it's going to be, once again, we're a leader. There are going to be more and more uh, um, places uh, that do that, is we have to look to see how we can reinvent our model so that we are, um, uh, so that we're viable. I, I believe President Joel is actually in our building, so we'll give him a chance to, to come on up to the second floor and join us. This is pretty interesting. I don't recall too many interviews I've done that started on the phone, continued in the elevator, and then ended up live in our studio here at JM and the AM. Graduation up at YU, or I should say more accurately, at the IZOD Center is going to be happening a week from today. And um, Mazal Tov to all the graduates, of course. And um, for those of you who, again, have not heard my conversation with Athletic Director Joe Bednarsh, it happened back on May 1st during the Thursday live lunch. You could search it on my site at NahumSiegel.com. And we do address the importance of the basketball team and other teams and also speak about the transition in terms of the basketball team uh, and what is happening uh, up at Yeshiva University. President Joel, it's a, it's a pleasure to welcome you live in studio here at JM in the AM. Well, it's so nice to see you in the flesh, Nachal. So if I had a panel of university presidents in front of me, they would all say it's an unsustainable business model at this point, what you described as higher education in the United States right now? Look, even, even the, uh, uh, the incredibly endowed universities like, uh, like Harvard, um, are being incredibly um, analytical in looking at their expenses and in looking at uh, any kind of deficit, even if you have billions of dollars of, endow- of endowment. Uh, this is also happening in an environment where the social fabric of the country is changing in different ways, where the technological revolution is, is, is forcing us to ask questions about how young people learn, about how the learning experience is tied to the social and civilizational experience, um, and and how you use it for its full benefit. So online universities are a real threat. Well, I don't know or what threat means. Word, right? Yeah, I think that's the wrong word. And I I don't think the issue is online universities. I think the issue is how do we make sure that we are um, open to, to to new ways. I mean, look, most of our most of our students do most of their communication not even on cell phone, right. but through texting. Right. Uh, and I think there are opportunities in that. There are also severe challenges in terms of how there are relationships, how there's intimacy, what the depth of learning is, uh, the opportunities and the cost of multitasking. So I think that there is, um, there's much to be learned in terms of that. This is also happening, Nachum, in the backdrop of a, of a social situation where people worry about the cost of education. Mm-hmm. Uh, and frankly, I'll be partisan and say they worry about the cost of education, which is not minor, but in a way that they worry less about the cost of other um, activities in life which they consider non-negotiable. Right. Uh, I'd, I'd be betraying my own feelings if I didn't 
remind people that there is nothing uh, that is amortized better and there's nothing that's more long-lasting and there's nothing that's more critical than the college years when people truly define who they are. Right. You know, there's some interesting news that we've been reading um, uh, recently about uh, lawsuits being brought by students against uh, many major universities claiming that the uh, that the protections and the investigations that they have regarding sexual assault on campus is getting headlines. You know the Times right. has been covering it and the like. And uh, and I think it's important, and I think it's serious stuff. I, I will tell you that uh, I got many phone calls when there was a list of 55 great universities that were being named in an investigation by the federal government, and the great news we made was that Yeshiva University was not one of them, and of course it wasn't one of them. I want to suggest that we're looking at the wrong headline. The headline is not that there are these heinous um, uh, lapses in how universities are addressing these assaults. I think what we have to think about a little bit is the culture that is creating a situation on campus where there is a uh, a situation where where sexual assault or sexual abuse uh, has become much more prevalent right. and and I think it speaks to what kind of a people we are and what kind of a community we are and what the role of education is. The challenge isn't so much, although I'm not diminishing it, is not about how universities deal with abuse on campus. The question is, what leads to this culture? And I want to suggest that it's a, it's a culture um, without deep and abiding values. It's a culture of no boundaries. It's a culture of casual intimacy. It's a culture, frankly, that runs very counter to a lot of how we in the Jewish community, and particularly in the Orthodox community, choose to live our lives. Right. I mean, this is happening, though, for, at this stage from birth, essentially. I mean, maybe I'm exaggerating, but I mean, kids and families are dealing with these issues from the time they're really, really youngsters and, and going through the ranks. I mean, well, this is everywhere at you this know, point. That's why when, uh, when people talk to me about the now famous uh, or infamous Pew report, right. and they talk about uh, all the lessons that one can learn, and there's defensiveness and triumphalism at the same time. Uh, to me, the answer is clear. To me, that what sustains us and what will sustain us is is education, is community, and is passion. And if you have those, there are limitless possibilities for how we get to strengthen ourselves as a community and influence the world at a time where those kind of values are hungered for. Right, but we'll probably see other institutions or other types of institutions go in a different direction as society continues to be mired in what you described earlier. Yeah, I think that's part of the great challenge, and I have to put in an ad. I say that's why I think it's a, it's <laughs> right. a no-brainer. That's why everyone belongs the, to OIU, in no, your opinion. It, the, quite, quite seriously. No, not everyone. We're no, a mission, just, we're a, look, we're a mission-driven institution. And I'm not even joking about it, but okay. Yeah. Yeah. We're a mission-driven institution. There are thousands and thousands of people out there who share that mission. If that mission is shared, right, then OIU is a no-brainer. Harvard doesn't compete with what YU right. offers. Right. And in terms of affordability, it's a private university. I can't be asked how we compete with City University. It's talking not even apples and oranges. Um, but I do know that if people are willing to make the investment that they need to make, that Jewish parents and Jewish students have traditionally made, then we are prepared 
when there are people with need, when they're going to stretch, we're going to stretch equally hard to make it possible. All right, I don't get you in here as a guest often enough, so i got to get directly to this point, especially since we're a week before graduation, where, again, I think it's a time of reflection, and we're not going to be doing any formal State of the University conversation this summer, so I'd love to do that a little bit today. Um, forget my role as an alum, and forget my role as a parent and all that. As somebody who is concerned that this thriving, incredible institution is vital to the future of the Jewish people. And I believe that. Anyone thinks I'm exaggerating. It's not an exaggeration. That is what I firmly believe. And I know there are a lot of people in this audience who share my belief and passion for that. Do we need to worry about the sustainability, about the future, about the financial stability of the university, about the uh, how do you address these issues with the board of directors and the board of trustees? Do they understand the role that those of means and maybe those not of so many means, including people like ourselves, have to make sure this institution continues? I think it's a great and important question, and it's valuable just to ask it. Um, uh, I, I want to answer. I want to answer this way. Uh, Yeshiva University will be here and will be strong when your grandchildren are coming. That's number one. It's very comforting. Num- number two, I've been told by people outside the Orthodox community that they recognize if you just pull YU away from the fabric of Jewish life, right? The fabric of Jewish life is deeply threatened, so there's no question about it. The challenge is how do we deal with the with the financial issues and with the issue of what are the deliverables in education that we must have. So there's no question that we, that in growing we have to change. There's no question that we have been spending more than the money that we have available. And the problem isn't that we've been spending them on wasteful things. The problem is we've been spending them on things that are defining in terms of what we need. Right. We have been going through a very profound process of re-examining and looking at, at creative and positive ways to, to provide the same product and the same environment um, in ways that are affordable. Uh, part of that is, uh, but, but not the key part of it. Part of it is that philanthropy, which has been generous, has to be much more generous. Part of it is, as you said, every alum, I mean, so many of us give at least 10% of our income to charity. Make one of the annual gifts to be yeshiva. I have an alum who wants to start a move. Maybe we can do it here. That there should be a, um, a, a pledge signed by, by so many Jews and all alumni saying that among my top five charities annually is Yeshiva University. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we could count on that, it would be radically different. But I will also say we must look to deliver education in better and different and, and and more careful ways. And and that means challenging all of our schools, reasserting the fact that the core of Yeshiva University, look, we're a research one university. Right? That's very important. More important is that we're a Torah one university. So we reassert the centrality and the core mission of our undergraduate schools, Yeshiva Sims and Stern, and our Yeshiva, the Rabbi Isaac Elchanan Theological Seminary. Those are core, right? And, and they are core both in the learning we give our students and the manner in which that kind of gestalt um, is a presence in, in, in communities around the world. Yeah, well, nowhere uh, like Yeshiva University. Right, as nowhere as, but here. Right, um, but, but our graduate and professional schools are also important, except the challenge there, as in many places, is that those schools have to be able to support themselves 
and be part of the entire support community of Yeshiva University. You know, those of us who grew up watching the financial crisis of the 70s and what Rabbi Lamb had to deal with, we always were under this impression, and I have no idea if this was accurate, I was a little kid, but we were always under the impression that there were financial superheroes who stepped in and got Yeshiva on great footing. And I, maybe we're just sitting here as spectators waiting for another financial superhero to swoop in and just get Yeshiva back where it needs to be financially. Look, I am more than, more than willing to celebrate um, uh, the $100 million gifts that I hope will come in. But uh, there's, an ex- there's an expression, don't trust in the princes. And I have to tell you that often the answer to a problem is not to throw money at it. It's to look at how we do what we do, like any good business does. And that means looking at questions about how we best deliver education, what the proper class sizes are, what courses and what departments need to be offered, how do we do interdisciplinary education, how do we use technology Latov for good, where is the use of blended courses and online courses even within campus, something that gives us more opportunity and better opportunity, how do we look at new Products, master's degrees that can be all, – all has to be of quality, mm-hmm. but master's degrees and even online programs that will contribute to the world and will also, frankly, generate income. Uh, we're offering this year for the first time an online master's in Jewish education. There are educators in Australia and in South Africa and in South America and in England. Who could, and in the United States, who could very much benefit from those kind of programs. So a lot of what we're doing, it's, it's very proper. It's to look at every piece of Yeshiva University to restructure what we can. I also have to say, look, our staff is magnificent and wonderful, both faculty and administration. Uh, they received a salary increase this year. They hadn't for three years before. They probably won't again. This all can't be fixed on the backs of our employees. It has to be fixed by a shared commitment to, to, to pay the price that you need to pay uh, to, to have your children be at Yeshiva University, for us to offer the kind of courses that are compelling, and by the way, to reassure parents that aside from all the civilizational benefits of YU, uh, I don't know a better place for a young person to prepare for a career in the professions or in business. Our sim school has come on like gangbusters. I just found out yesterday that right now we are up to four of our undergraduates who've been accepted at the Harvard Law School for next year. And Harvard, you know, it's not just Harvard. That's really endemic of the success of our academic advisement, of our career center. And let's be honest about the quality of the students that we have and the lifelong network that they form. So we will come out of this. It's going to take some time. Uh, we will come out of it reshaped, reformed, and reinvigorated. And I will tell you, the superstars are there. Our, our trustees are incredibly supportive, doing all that they can. But I will tell you, the superstars are the people who, who put $180 in an envelope and send it to me and say, we believe in what you're doing. Um, uh, it's an opportunity for all of us. And I hope in the next year we will be reaching out to the whole community for that kind of support. You're on a very tight schedule. Uh, we know that. Port Authority didn't know that, but we know that. Um, so a week from today is the big yes. celebration. It's nothing like graduation day. And obviously the highlight is the diplomas and watching everybody progress to the next level. 
you've had the experience with your own children, I'm sure. Uh, what will be, uh, I don't know, the keynote address, the special message for this year? What do you have scheduled sure. for a week from today? Well, actually, in about an hour and a half, the first of our graduations of the Wurzweiler mm. School of Social Work is happening. Mazal next, tov. Next week, look. Here, and we have some great social workers in our community because of Wurzweiler. Wonderful social yeah, workers. Amazing. Defining social workers. Um, look, the big headline from our commencement is how many places are there where 5,000 Torah-observant, modern Orthodox Jews come together for the purpose of feeling good about themselves and celebrating and determining that the future is ours. That's right. number one. In terms of uh, the honors we're bestowing, I will tell you that our keynote speaker and honorary degree recipient is John Ruskay. Mm-hmm. Uh, John has spent the last, uh, I think, 17 years as the executive vice president of the New York Jewish Federation. I will tell you that he is one of our Jewish heroes. He's a man of integrity. He's a man of Jewish knowledge. He's a man of Jewish passion. He's a man of incredible personal comportment, and he's a man of joy. And I think our students need to see him as a role model. Uh, I think he needs to see them as a great valedictory for all that he's done. We're also presenting honorary degrees to an extraordinary woman philanthropist, Dorothy Shackney, who's been involved with us in so many ways. And frankly, she's among those people who just looks at our students and falls in love. (laughs) Um, And there's a wonderful alum from Yeshiva College in Wurzweiler named Josh Gortler. He came over from Siberia post-Holocaust. I think Hayas landed his family somewhere in Arizona. Uh, their rabbi said that their young boy had to uh, get an education. They gave him $20 and a bus ticket, having no idea how far it was, to come to Yeshiva <laughs> University High School, which provided him with a full scholarship and a full community. And he went through our high school, the college, Wurzweiler, became a social worker, uh, uh, dealt with many people in need, and then went out to Seattle, where he was a historic um, leader building a senior citizen service and center of note. And in point of fact, when he retired, his community, as a gift, said that they wanted to make a major donation to the charity of his choice. And he chose YU for scholarships. And that's worthy of, of that kind of recognition. No and then finally, we're giving a, a, a wonderful um, farewell to his post as provost to Dr. Mort Lowengrub, who's prov- presided over the academic enterprise for 15 years. There you have it. Nice, distinguished lineup. And, six, and 630 extraordinary young men and women who are going to shape the world. Yeah, there's some uh, amazing potential in that room next week, I'll tell you that much. Talk about, talk about the leaders of tomorrow. Unbelievable. And, and by the way, I've had, I've had my biological children, but I have, think we all have to think that they're all our children, Nachum. No question about it. It's going to be quite a celebration. A week from today uh, for Yeshiva College, uh, Sims and Stern. Today, the Wurzweiler School of Social Work in a season filled with great graduation ceremonies for so many great Yeshiva University schools. Uh, Mr. President, as I always say, you have an open door here. Uh, I know you're on a tight schedule for the graduation, but I thank you for getting here, even though it no, was I'm, a little strange I'm, <laughs> how you finally got here. I hope this it wasn't a, a, a task for your listeners. I hope that they, it, it, it came through well. Um, I, I, let me let me add one thing sure. if you have a if you have a moment. Yeah, I got the time, sure. um, One of the challenges of looking at the technology is to say how do we view technology? I mean, when you look in the Torah. Uh, I think there are two perfect examples of technology. One is when man learned to work together and to create things. Uh, they built a Tower of Babel, and they, they sought to challenge God. And the punishment for that was that they couldn't speak to each other. Their languages were scattered. Right. Uh, the, other, the other example of technology is the tabernacle in the desert, the Mishkan. We're under Betzalel's leadership. 
what was fashioned was a, a work of great beauty that elevated the human and brought God into our midst. The challenge for us is to use this technology, not curse the darkness, but gather the light and to see how we do that. And I think the prime example of that, frankly, is the Chavrusa model. I mean, I've had leaders of the Catholic Church and other universities come to see how we learn Torah. And the truth is that very notion that you can't do it on some levels without being face-to-face. They actually observed your Beit Midrash. Oh, I can send you, <laughs> you letters. Were, you were there as they uh, saw they, it. <laughs> they observed it with me, and in fact, they asked questions. The greatest story was when the Cardinal Vantois, who's the Archbishop of Paris, uh, was uh, standing around the table of uh, Rev. David Hershashir, and I asked all the students what careers they were going into, and the Cardinal Vantois uh, looked at one of the boys who was pre-med, and he said, I don't understand. He said, you're in a very rigorous curriculum to prepare for medical school and to be a doctor, and yet you spend four hours a day here studying Talmud. Yeah. Why? Now, I got a little nervous saying, oh, my gosh. He what's he say? The kid looked at him, smiled, and said, oh, because this is my life. So, I mean, the challenge is to say this Chavrusa model of having text, arguing together, preparing together, and then have, uh, having rabbinic guides at your at your fingertips, but then also being able to learn from them is a model where we can insert technology into it as well in terms of blended learning. I will say this. You asked me about online universities. A key element of an educational process is that chevruta, is that closeness between student and teacher and between student and student. You can achieve some of that online, but the notion of community the notion of lifelong friends, the notion of research with faculty, right, is not something that we can walk away from because that's the fabric of our civilization. 100%. Very important message, and I hope the next generation understands that it's a very serious matter. Uh, people my age, I think, get what you're saying. I hope the younger people get it. It's all I could say. I'm sure they do, but they need they need to, to be encouraged to take the right. lead in it. No question about it. Mazel Tov again. Thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you, Nachum, always, and thank you for the service that you do to our people. I appreciate that. The president of Yeshiva University, Richard Joel, Mazel Tov to all the graduates a week from today. And I'm happy to report the state of the university, thank God, is as strong as ever. And I continue to... Uh, Uh, Remind everybody how important Yeshiva University is uh, to our entire Jewish world. More coming up. Keep it right here at JM in the AM. Well, I want to apologize to uh, Dr. Professor Shimon Glick, who has been a guest of ours before here at JM in the AM. You may recall when he was uh, when it was announced that he'd be one of the recipients of the Bonate Sion Award, he joined us here, and I encourage everybody to go back and listen 
to that conversation. Today was the day that Dr. Glick and all the other inaugural Bonnet Tzion awardees, courtesy of Nefesh Benefesh, were at the Knesset in a special ceremony hosted by the Speaker of the Knesset, a uh, member of Knesset Edelstein, Yuli Edelstein. And um, all of the uh, different Bonnet Tzion awardees were recognized. Dr. Glick, of course, after an amazing and incredible career here, in the United States, I know a lot of people in this area remember the Glick family. Uh, he um, he uh, after he left the U.S., he helped found the Ben Gurion University Faculty of Medicine, specializes in endocrinology research and treatment, and is a world leader in the teaching and practice of medical humanism and medical ethics. Professor Glick, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, what was it like? We we know what it was like when you first heard the news about the award. What was it like to be in the Knesset and think that the State of Israel is recognizing people like you from outside of the State of Israel? It was a very moving ceremony. Uh, here it was, 40 years after arriving in Israel and uh, standing in the Knesset, uh, getting an award as a builder of Zion, and I said that I was basically not just representing me as a speaker, but the other six awardees all of them were fantastic. Plus the hundred the two hundred people that were nominated for the award did get it and the and the hundreds of thousands of American and English and Australian Olin who have contributed to the building of the State of Israel. Very moving ceremony. It really is amazing. Um you know, we know there's so much of a contribution that North American Jews have made to Israel in general. You and I could probably speak about that for hours. But what about specifically in the area of medicine? What would you say Israel has benefited most from by having so many Americans in that specific field move to the Holy Land? Well, America is still the world leader in medicine. There's no question about it. Uh, the, the approaches of medicine, I'm not talking about the organization of medical care, which is a mess in America. I'm talking about the science of medical care and, and the advances in medical education. America is still unique. And here we have people who have come from the very best institutions in the United States and bringing their knowledge and know-how and their training to apply to Israeli medicine. I think it's amazing. One of the people, other people who got an award is a gentleman scientist who came, medical scientist who came from Harvard and setting up a, a laboratory at the Hill of Hospital. I mean, everywhere you touch, you can see the contribution of American medicine. Professor Shimon Glick is with us. Mazal Tov to all the Bonate Sion awardees. We're actually in the Knesset today with Nefesh Benefesh to receive their awards and be recognized by the government of the State of Israel. I mentioned how medical ethics is one of the things uh, that you have brought to a prominent level in the Holy Land. Can I assume, and maybe this is just wishful thinking, but I have an idea, I have a feeling it's not. Can I assume that Israel is looked to by uh, countries around the world? Uh, when it comes to uh, a uh, an amazing level of understanding and um, and really carrying out the area of medical ethics, well, uh, first of all, Israel has has a commitment to provide health care for all of its citizens, which is something America hasn't solved yet. Uh, that's certainly uh, it's been that way for many years, and nobody goes broke in Israel uh, for not having for not being able to afford health care. Right, that's one. Uh, there are other things. For example, there's a law in Israel, Lo Tamod al You are obligated to come to the help of another person, even if you're not a physician. Uh, you come to the help of another person if you see him in distress. That's a law in Israel, and the law is titled Lo Tamod al Wow. In the United States, there is no such law. The United States is a good Samaritan. If you do stuff and you give help, they won't sue you. 
but there's no law that you have to stop or do anything. Uh, there's no law that a doctor has to take care of you in the United States. In, America, in Israel, there is. Every citizen has a right to health care, and, and this is one example. Uh, and there are other, other things, basically. So talk about being a light onto the nations. The area of medicine follows that perfectly. Yeah, actually, right now, uh, the, the clinic system in Israel, which has been computerized almost more than any other country, uh, has brought people from all over the world to see how we have changed the quality of health care in the clinics by having data on each diabetic and having data on each high blood pressure patient so we know what they're doing, we know what the doctors are doing. Uh, and people have come from the United States and other places to see how the system works. I mean, there are many things that we're doing. Jews are very inventive, and uh, I think we have a contribution. But I think the most important contribution of Americans to Israel is the aliyah from Western countries is not an aliyah of refugees. It's an aliyah by choice. Right. It's not bricha, it's bichira. It's not saying that is the message that we tell to our Israelis. Some of the Israelis have forgotten and they're, they don't remember what Israel was created for. You know, Zionism, they're getting tired. And here come new Olim full of enthusiasm uh, who have made the choice of coming to Israel. I think that's a very important message. You know, there's, there's a, uh, the Meshech Chochma, the Parshan of a hundred years ago, Meir Simchum said in his, this, this week's Parashat, the Chukotai, he said that the Jews didn't think that Berlin is Jerusalem. That's what he said, believe it or not, before the Holocaust. Right. And right now, there are young, unfortunately, young Israelis who go to Berlin and think that's the greatest place to go. And we are showing them the place for Jews, not in Berlin, but the places in Jerusalem. Unbelievable. Professor Shimon Glick, uh, finally, as you were standing there today in this unique uh, uh, day at the Knesset, uh, were you thinking about uh, what if Nefesh Benefesh was around 40 years ago? Or or, or, you, or you don't look... I, I didn't have any trouble because I was a privileged character at Ezeli. Uh, I was at a job and a language. But Nefesh Benefesh does fantastic things. Bringing, they've already bought uh, tens of thousands, and I made, I told them a joke. Uh, I spoke, and I said that Winston Churchill once was uh, speaking, and a lady got up and said, Mr. Churchill, you, uh, is it true that the amount of whiskey that you have drunk over the years, if I point to my hand on the wall, which fill up the room up to this point? And he looked at, at the ceiling, which is way high up, and he says, so little time left and so much more left to do. So uh, <laughs> I said to the Nefesh Benefesh, you brought 20,000 people. There are 7 more million people, Anglos in the world, waiting to be brought. That's what I told them. I'm made. Uh, Professor Glick, always a delight. Best regards and Mazal Tov on the award. Okay, great. Thanks for talking. Professor Shimon Glick, one of the Bonetzion awardees. The uh, ceremony actually took place today, uh, just an hour or two ago, I believe, in the Knesset. The Speaker of the Knesset presided, and of course, Nefesh Benefesh had the opportunity to celebrate in that amazing forum. And uh, could you imagine all these Olim being recognized by the State of Israel with awards uh, entitled Bonate Sion? Um, Nefesh Benefesh, kudos to you. Want to remind our community that Assemblyman Dove Hiken and Nachas Health will be hosting a day of remembrance for Holocaust survivors. And their descendants this morning at 11 a.m. at the Young Israel Bethel in Borough Park, 4802 15th Avenue in Brooklyn. 
Among the guest speakers, former Israeli Chief Rabbi Yisrael Mayer Lau. 11 o'clock this morning, everyone's encouraged to be there at 4802 15th Avenue in Brooklyn. That happens today. Lagba Omer is Sunday. We have amazing programming, of course, all day long on our stream at jmnam.org. Charlie Harari on the topic of Lagba Omer and resilience coming up next between 9 and 10. Miriam L. Wallach will introduce three incredible young people in our community to the audience between 10 and 11 this morning during That's Life. Mayor Fertig with an examination of the possibility of Jonathan Pollard being paroled. Uh, he'll speak to Rabbi Fink about the uh, incredible meeting that took place this past Sunday between groups of Jews that normally may not get together. Uh, that's all happening between um, uh, 1 and 2 o'clock after our live lunch. And Michael Fragan tonight is going to examine J Street and um, and the uh, decision that was made to not include them in the Conference of Presidents. Uh, that will be with Ami Eden, or editor of JTA, and Farley Weiss from the Young Israel, and possibly someone from J Street as well, between 6 and 7 this evening on the stream at jmtheam.org. And I want to remind everybody again that JM Sunday on Sunday's Lagba Omer, Matis will preside, and Ellie Gerstner with great music and an entire update with the type of Lagba Omer day that Ellie Gerstner is going to be having. He'll speak with Ellie Gerstner about all of that Sunday. JM Sunday is between 7 and 9 a.m. Eastern time on the stream at jmandtheam.org. Wrapping it up for us. Brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard a listener sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Around the world, uh, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial. And around the world on the web at jmandtheam.org. My thanks to President Richard Joel. The conversation with the president started when he was uh, in the Holland Tunnel, actually, and continued as he made his way to the studio. It was great having him here uh, in studio, and I thank him for joining us. Mazal tov to all the graduates, Wurzweiler today, uh, Yeshiva College, Stern College, and Sims next Thursday, and of course, plenty of graduations um, ha- taking place at the university over the next uh, couple of weeks. Um, and my thanks to Professor Glick and our friends at Nefesh Benefesh who continue to inspire us, keeping our eyes 
on the Holy Land. Maybe from this distance, but hopefully uh, one day from uh, a much closer range. Great material all day long on our stream at jmnam.org. Charlie Harari's next. Make sure to be tuned in. Have a fabulous Thursday. Till tomorrow, Nachum Siegel reminding you, remember to past, live the present, and trust the future.